Welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. And this is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. Welcome What's going on, Beth? You know, <laughs> super excited to be back in the closet for another murder episode. Uh, yeah, I'm super excited too. And coincidentally, this one, I know I'm not getting into it just yet, but I forgot to mention to this this to you after the last episode that we recorded that mine is in 1996 too. Last week's was set in 1996 and this one is 1996. How about it? Is that a spidey moment or what? <laughs> mm, it definitely is, although I don't look up my murders based on date. Well, I don't I look either. them up based on drama. Right. Actually, that's not true either. But <laughs> yeah, because sort of they're is. all murders and they're all dramatic. But yeah, interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. we can stay in the same setting. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, that was just a little side note. We'll get to that in a minute. It's a good side note. Um, so and it's my birthday month. <laughs> I was kind of... of 1996. <laughs> just kidding. I was not born in 96. I, I was wondering. <laughs> If you were going to be able to work that in, and you just so nonchalantly did. <laughs> I did. I worked it right in by just <laughs> plopping it right down where it didn't belong. <laughs> it's okay. It belongs. It belongs in all of True. Uh, we said it. Now October. we can move on. <laughs> yeah. So it is October. It is Beth's birthday month. It is Halloween. What? Um, that when this episode airs, it'll be like, what, the next Friday after that? Mm -hmm. And that week, or next week, we will be dropping that special collab episode with What Happened in the Woods. Mm -hmm. what? So Just excited. Reminder. Yeah. So hopefully you guys have checked them out. If not, go do that. Give them love. Tell them we sent you all that fun stuff. From Christy and Beth. Yes. Christine Beth. It's her so, birthday month, too. It's Jess's birthday month, too. That is correct. Yes, same year, a birthday. Yeah, I was going to say same day. So mm -hmm. exciting, exciting stuff. So there you go. Help support Beth and Jess on their birthday month. And Let's that's the week that we're. About it as much as I do. She might. Let's see <laughs> if. Um, we No, not let's see. We drop the episode the week of your birthdays. Yep. Ours comes out Monday and theirs will come out Friday. So you have to listen to them both to celebrate both of their birthdays. You do. Yeah. It's your gift to me. Yes. Give give Beth all the presents. <laughs> <laughs> or the listens. And the listens. And a review with five stars for my birthday. Ooh, do that. Ooh, there you go. That would make yes. her super happy. It really would. I only check it obsessively every day <laughs> several times a day nonchalantly again because we know i'm super nonchalant <laughs> <laughs> yes go do it yeah that would be awesome that would be awesome oh that's crazy <laughs> Pinch poke. Um, Give me a poke. <laughs> <laughs> on another note um i mean this is i guess is also a new october thing that we're gonna do it's not just for october but we're starting it in october in this episode, we are going to start kind of, I guess, promoting products that we love, and they are not Just telling y'all about them. Yeah, I guess yes, Just highlighting a product, things that we like that we keep here in our closet that right. we want to share with you. 
Yeah, exactly. That are super and they're fun not, and we love. It's not paid advertisement. We will let you know when, if and when we have any paid advertisements for any of these products. But for now, it is literally just us telling you what these amazing products are. Yes, so. true products that we use, that we keep in our closet, that we want you to know about. We're going to do it, what, once a month? Yeah, I think so. Once so a month, today starting we'll today. The first one. At the end of the episode, stay with us. Yeah, awesome. Cool. So you got anything else for us or you want to get well, to that, it? That's all the news. Okay. Let's well, get then I will going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to grab a quick sip of my wine here before I start. Okay. She's still going. Mm-hmm. She's still sipping. Mm-hmm. Still sipping. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> still chugging. It's a big draw. <laughs> got it. I needed to get through this one. It's kind of, it's a little bit of a hard one. Uh-oh. It is, I will warn you, an unsolved mystery. <gasps> so I should play the music. Can I play it? Man. Yeah, gotta you warn gotta a girl. A, gotta warn a girl. We need we need <laughs> equipment. <laughs> Sound effect equipment. It's <laughs> true. All right. Um, I like this, these ones. Yes. This is a um is the murder of Karina Holmer. Have you heard that name? Never. Never one Why time. Do, I feel like that's what we ask every time. Whatever. No, I ours. remember people's names. I've not heard her name. Mm, okay. Well, her name is Karina. Karina Erica Homer was born on September 7th, 1975 in, I don't know how to say this, but Aliard, I'm going to say, Sweden. Ooh, Okay. From what I can gather, this is a small town in the southern part of Sweden. If I mapped that correctly, I could be completely (laughs) off on that. (laughs) Got it. She lived with her parents and her sister, Johanna. She was a good student, loved animals, and wanted to travel. And in 1996, when she was just 20 years old, because she hadn't turned 21 just yet, she won... $1,500 $1,500 on a lottery scratch-off ticket. <gasps> Heck yeah. Every 20-year-old's right? dream at the sheets. No kidding. I I don't know. I would have just taken that and ran. Which Oh, man. She basically did. She quickly decided that she was going to use that money and get a plane ticket to the U.S. That's awesome. I like yeah. her so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She... Figured about or figured that she was going to become an au pair and that would be the best way that she could make money so she could get there by using this $1,500 winnings, but then she'd, you know, clearly need money when she got there. So she decided to become an au pair. And for those who may not know what an au pair is or what the difference between that and a nanny is, which I did have, I didn't have to look up this time, but I did recently have to look up what the difference is. But it's typically a person between the ages of 18 and 30 who travel abroad to live with a family so they can learn the language, native culture of the country, and then they receive room and board in exchange for providing childcare for that family. Mm-hmm. It's what I need. It's what I need. Yeah, I know. And they get a weekly stipend, which from what I looked up is like, it has to be at least like $195 a week or something. But I mean, mm-hmm. think about that. And it's less than... I mean, that's less than what I paid for daycare when mm-hmm, I just dropped true. him off at whatever time. I think they're I supposed to get a car and stuff like that, too, so that they can, like, 
not just be right. stuck in the house all the time. They have a way to like get out and see people and like integrate with society and all that stuff. Right. I feel like there's like yeah. clear stipulations that allows them to immerse themselves into like yeah. the American yeah, I'm culture. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more than that. That was like just a basic definition. Mm-hmm. And that and basically the difference was that nanny doesn't take part in that cultural exchange and they are provided a salary and they don't necessarily I mean, I guess they can, but they don't necessarily live with you in your house. Mm-hmm. So some accounts say that Karina contacted an agency to facilitate this process, which is typically the way you go because they've got background checks on these girls and whatnot. And so you kind of all go through this um agency to, you know, meet the au pairs and the au pairs meet the families that they're working with and whatnot. However, the agency that she worked with, from what I have read, is was unlicensed. And as a matter of fact, the agent that she used was convicted twice and fined in Sweden for operating without a permit. Hmm. So I don't know how legitimate she or legitimately she ran her business based on that. So mm-hmm. who knows? From what I can tell, it wasn't specifically stated anywhere in multiple sources that I checked out, but she moved to Massachusetts around February or March. There's like this case kind of has some fuzzy areas, so I'll warn you of that. But basically somewhere between February and March of 1996, she moved to Massachusetts and she moved there to work for rank, not rank. Maybe I'll read this right. Frank. (laughs) (laughs) Frank Rapp. (laughs) Was that Freudian? Is he stinky? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> or it was that huge gulp of wine I took right before I started talking. <laughs> okay. So she was working for Frank Rapp and Susan Nichter, who had two children, a first grader and a toddler. That's all I could find. I have no idea how old this toddler was, but it was a toddler. Okay. Both Frank and Susan were artists specializing in photography and painting. They lived in Dover, Massachusetts, which is about, which is also the word you can't say, right? Massachusetts. You're hilarious. (laughs) And no, for a matter of fact, I cannot say it. (laughs) And I am sitting here jealous of how you are fluently saying the word over and over again, but move on. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Dover, Massachusetts is about 40 minutes west of Boston. Frank had a studio in Boston where he stayed most of the week when he was working. So it was his photography studio and he would just kind of go stay there during the week and then come back on the weekends. And then on the weekends, it would be like they were passing two ships in the night. Um, Karina was free to stay at that studio on her own. So she would leave their house in Dover and go and spend the weekend in Boston at this studio apartment. I mean, that seems pretty amazing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like downtown 20. Boston. Yeah, I would like a dream. I would love to just like at her age have that opportunity to you know work all week and then just go hang out in downtown Boston whenever I wanted to. Super so, fun, pretty. So, she met other au pairs in the area, which I guess is kind of a common thing. You go through agencies and you, you just meet other people that are there from different places and a majority of the time that these all these au pairs and her would meet at this apartment and then go out partying from there and side note not really side note kind of has to do with it but 
she has a fake ID that she uses to get into bars because clearly she has not yet turned 21. Oh, man. These au pairs, Mm. they get the hookup quick. Yeah. Well, I think she had it before she came, but there's not really clear lines with that. But So on June 21st, 1996, Karina... And so this is just a few months after she had gotten to the U.S. She and a few friends decided to meet up and go out to a club. So as usual, they meet at the studio that Karina stays in on the weekends. And they walk downtown to a club called Zanzibar. This is a pretty popular spot on Boylston Place in Boston. And I went to Boston every weekend. Well, not every weekend. I shouldn't say that. A lot of weekends after graduation from college mm-hmm. because I had a friend who lived there. I do not remember this place, but it's possible it was closed by the time I got there because I graduated okay. a few years after that. That's a cute name for a bar, Zanzibar. Z- I know. Every time I read it, I thought the same thing. Like, oh, that's actually a really neat name for one. But yeah. Anyway. So according to multiple sources, her and her other nanny friends, as they called them, even though they weren't technically nannies, were well known because they frequented the clubs. And she was known as the Swedish nanny. <laughs> I don't know if this is ringing any bells for you, but they would drink and dance the night away. And according to friends throughout that night, Karina was seen several different times. Each time she would be increasingly more intoxicated than the previous sighting. Mm. Never good, never good. Yeah, which we all, I'm sure, have had those moments. (laughs) One account says she was briefly passed out in the bathroom just before closing time of the club. And at this point, yes, I believe a bartender found her or saw her and um, asked one of the club bouncers to escort her out and just be like, okay, she's cut off. She can't have any more. My gosh, by herself? Right, exactly. Like, and where's so be- her friends? Well, yeah. Well, uh, yes, that I question because clearly if they're that well-known, they know that group and who comes right. in together and whatnot. But no, how she about, was- How don't put a 20-year-old drunk girl out on the street by herself ever, Zanzibar? Okay. Exactly, because we all know nothing good is happening since I've already mentioned that it was the murder of Karina. Yeah. At the beginning. So this was- around closing or actually right after closing. So she could not re-enter to find her friends. They wouldn't let her back in. So this is the point at which things get even more fuzzy for this case because there aren't any clear 100% sightings of her because most of the sightings were through the drunk eyes of friends that she had been with or other club goers that night. So Mm -hmm. we all know Mm -hmm. what that's like. But needless to say... Even after all of these random sightings, she has not seen at all after 3.30 or 4.30 in the morning, which is now Saturday, the 22nd of June. Hmm. The witching hour. One witness has said that she was spotted in the alley talking to a local homeless man. It's said that she struck up a conversation with him and danced with him and then just disappeared. And this homeless man is later identified as Juan Polo. And every time I see and say his name, I think of Han Solo. So I'm really glad (laughs) that I got through that without saying Han Solo. Oh, Juan Polo. Yes. Oh, Juan Polo. (laughs) So someone else says they see her talking to a weird guy walking his dog And they felt he was a bit weird because he's wearing matching Superman shirts 
with his dog. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yep. I'd say that would, that would give you the weird, yeah. the weird nod from us. <laughs> yeah. Later. We're going to head, head nod you right down that street. Yeah. Yep. We see yep. you. <laughs> yep. We see you, Superman. And at least give him a sidekick costume, the dog, right? <laughs> yes. Superman doesn't have a sidekick. I know. That was the, ne- that was the night before. <laughs> You just missed it. You just missed Batman and Robin the right. night before. I missed Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah, there. That's it's in the wash. Right. Got it. Sorry. So later, this man would be identified as Herb or yeah, Herb Witten, who frequently walked his dog late at night in Boston, in matching shirts. In ma- in no joke, matching shirts. That is <laughs> no. That is found out later. Some other friends say that she came up to them after they got out of the club and said, I'm going to a private party. That, again, we don't know yet. Some think they saw her get into a car, a gray car, with four other men. Others question whether she got in willingly or they forced her in. And still others, whether this was a cab that she got into or not. So as I said early, this is fuzzy because this is all Mm -hmm. through the eyes of drunk people. Right. One account even says that a friend tried to pull her out of this car, but a fight breaks out because of that, and she is unsuccessful and ends up driving away in this gray car. But we still truly have no idea what happened. So did they ever interview Juan Polo and Superman? Yes. And did they confirm that they did, in fact, see her and interact with her? Okay. Yes. So those Those we know for sure. Non-drunk people. Got it. (laughs) So they, were, li- they then, were living high on other things, but okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she is then seen at a 24-hour store not too far, probably like a mile away from the, um, where she, where the club was, around 3.30 or 4.30 a.m. So that's where we get that 3.30, 4.30 in the morning timestamp is that she's seen at this 24-hour store. She's not seen with anybody else. Doesn't know how she, nobody knows how she got there. Nobody knows where she went when she left there. Because then she's not seen for the next 30 hours. Yeah. She isn't reported missing, per se. Her friends reported, not reported her missing, but called her employers to let her know that she didn't return to the loft. However, I'm not entirely sure how they knew that because they weren't in the loft. So I think they just kind of were like, hey, we didn't see her. We don't think that she went home because we're going over there knocking on the door and she's not answering. So I'd imagine that most people were thinking, well, she's just sleeping this off because clearly she's falling asleep in the club. She's leaving. Mm-hmm. She's seen they it. Kicked her out. Yeah. Which is totally plausible. I mean, I I would probably be banging on that door and calling and calling and calling. But clearly, if your friend is sleeping it off, you're not going to hear from them until they wake up. Right. And. The family that she works for doesn't really have a reason yet to report her missing because technically she isn't due back to their house until like Sunday night, latest Monday morning to take mm-hmm. over her na- or her au pair duties. So, you know, they're just, well, I don't know. Like, do we call the cops? Whatever. Mm-hmm. So Sunday, June 23rd, 1996 at 11 a.m. This is the 30 hours later. A homeless man is rummaging through a dumpster near 1091 Boylston Street, which is about 1.3 miles away from the club Zanzibar. He opens up a trash bag because he's looking for cans or whatever, and an arm falls out of that trash oh, bag. Oh, no. I knew it. Yeah. I he immediately dumpster in these episodes. 
No, without knowing what you're going to find in them. Mm -hmm. He immediately calls for police. Police arrive, and when they open the bag, they find the top half of Karina Homer. Oh, my gosh. She's been sawed in half just above her pelvis, right below her ribs, which other things that I was reading was talking about how that was like the easiest place because it only had to go through one bone, which was the spine. (sighs) Yes. Not a great picture. She had been, had signs of being strangled before being cut in half and there was little to no signs of struggle. And there was very little blood spatter on her body. There was some, but other than that, she had been cleaned up pretty well including her face being washed. Like all of her makeup was washed off and her face was completely clean. So they did swabs of her mouth and her fingernails, which turned up nothing. Forensics test forensic tests revealed that she was not pregnant because for whatever reason they thought they should do that test. I don't know, maybe because half of her was missing. I guess there was some theories out there that she was pregnant and somebody was trying to hide that fact. Oh, and, but and, you know, these were all literally like conspiracies out there like crazy. But they reveal she's not pregnant. And the only evidence collected was a partial fingerprint on the trash bag that she was found in, but it didn't yield any results. And so basically the police were just sitting with bas- no crime scene. I mean, and zero suspects because there's nothing off her body. Nobody knows. I mean, there's so many accounts of who she was last seen with and whatnot. So... This is where we'll get into when they question some people, and I will share all that information with you when we return from the break. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona. Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Okay. So now, here we go. They're going to start questioning some people. And they're going to start with homeless man Han Solo. I mean Juan (laughs) Polo. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I didn't I didn't mean Dear to go there. Dear one, <laughs> do you have her legs? And the answer is no. And not a whole lot of information here because basically he confirms that he saw her. I mean, somebody that fits her description clearly. And but then they determine that he doesn't even really have the means to carry such a heinous act out. And yeah, like where would he get a like saw? It? Yeah. Right. Or even and, do it. Right. And Where is he going to then clean off this body? He's homeless. (laughs) Like, how is this going to happen? So he's ruled out pretty quickly. So then they move on to Mr. Herb. The Herb. (laughs) That name just cracks me up for some reason. (laughs) It does? Yeah, I don't know why. (laughs) The dog walker. Superman dog walker. He admits to liking the attention that he gets downtown on weekends when he walks his dog. So he does say that he talks to someone matching Karina's description, but as stated in multiple sources, there were many women spilling out onto the streets when sparkly pants at that time of night. But he says, (laughs) (laughs) 
He does believe that he spoke with her. But he's later cleared because he was pulled over. So he kind of lived a little further north of the city, I guess, or or they say in north, north city, so north of where they were. And But he was pulled over for speeding going home, and so it was determined that he would not have had the time to kill her, saw her in half, clean her up, dump one half of her and then another half somewhere or keep that half, whatever, at that time because of the time that he was pulled over. Wait a minute. He lives outside the city and puts on a Superman shirt and dresses his dog up and drives into Boston just to walk around so that people will talk to him. Ding, 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 ding. And then he leaves the city and is driving really fast on the night she's murdered and he speaks to her that day. I'm sorry, that's suspicious. Well, it is suspicious. But, and which is why he kind of stays on people like, yes, he's cleared because of this ticket. But as some people say, like, I mean, she could have been in the trunk. Like, they wouldn't have checked his trunk for any reason because she hadn't been found yet. He just got mm-hmm. pulled over. So she really yeah, could have brought but, her back. Yeah. So, he kind of stays on people's radars, but however, a year or six months to a year later, he commits suicide. So if he did have anything to do with this, we may never know oh. what his involvement is. What happened to his dog? <laughs> Good question. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm, I don't know if I, well, I, I'm probably, I'm going to come back to him later. So I was going to okay. try and skip to that, but then I might get it. myself. I'm going to put, so put a pin in her. Pin, it, yeah, put, put a pin in her, but it has nothing to do with dog, but just we're going to put a pin in him. So right now we just know he was cleared, but he committed suicide. Karina had also dated a police officer recently, and he was questioned, but he had a solid alibi because he was apparently out of town that weekend. But he kind of is on a lot of people's radars, too, because they're saying that he could have covered it up easily being a police officer. But I don't know. It's kind of that one's a little bit out there for me. Then there was a random musician that they questioned that lived nearby who I watched some videos of this guy and he is totally strung out all the time, which is part of what they refer to him as addicted to heroin. And he wrote and sang a lot of S&M themed songs. So I don't know if this is why they question him. I'm kind of confused as to why he even got on their radar except for those reasons. But anyway, he was questioned at some point, but ruled out. Okay. Not even sure why we had to mention him, but he's in all of these articles. So had to put it out there. So then we come to her employers, Frank and Susan. Okay. Some of their, the other au pairs would classify Frank as sleazy and just call him a creep. They didn't really go into detail on what they mean by that, but I'm pretty sure we can all kind of mm-hmm. assume what they mean, yes. you know. Mm-hmm. Read between those lines. Yes. Frank and Susan couldn't really provide a verifiable alibi for that night. And there are sources that say that they had family in town that weekend, but... Again, they keep saying it's unverifiable, so I don't know that that was actually the case. And even stranger is Karina was found on Sunday morning, and the police were called to Frank and Susan's residence on Monday after they had found Karina because there was a fire in the dumpster behind their house on the property that was shared with them and neighbors. So... My best thought on this is that this dumpster is like a communal dumpster 
everybody dumps their stuff in it and that's where it gets so it's like in this like communal kind of right. property in between the houses in the back but there's a fire in this dumpster so Boston police and the Dover police, because that's where they live, work together to collect items in that dumpster, thinking that they might be finding the remains of Karina oh. or possibly clothes and whatnot. But however, nothing in that dumpster tested positive for blood or human re- remains. So it's possible that this was just a coincidence, but gosh, my mind goes straight to some sort of getting rid of evidence kind of scenario with that. Yeah. I mean, and we all know fires is the best way to you know, make it so that evidence is unusable. Right. And clearly, like, it's not where the lower half of her was because we also know that it's kind of hard to burn bones completely. Even in crematoriums, they were saying it's like, you know, not everything's completely gone. So, okay. So this is making them seem a little bit more suspicious and they become increasingly less cooperative with police pretty quickly. Like, I want to say like that day or the next day and they hire a lawyer and then they just stop providing any information after that for any, for the police. So that to me seems even more suspicious. Like all of a sudden, you know, somebody who's been living in your house for four months and you're just like, okay, now I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Done. Yeah. So then again, this is unsolved. So there's lots that there's not a whole lot of stuff out there besides these conspiracy theories. And I was going through the pages of Web Sleuths. We all know that I'm a <laughs> fan of Web Sleuths. I don't go on it a whole lot, but I think it's funny to troll it every now and then. Mm-hmm. And someone, this is where we'll get back. To, we're coming back to Herb. Oh, the pin. I cannot say his name. Is no, it because when we say herbs, we when, when yes. we say it, we say herbs and not herb. And so you want to call him Herb? Yes, it is. That is exactly. I don't know how you knew that, but that is exactly. I want to say herb. (laughs) So when I say herb, I feel like I'm saying the word wrong. Yes, I understand. Okay. All right. So someone posted on there that they had once lived next door to Herb's sister, but they knew him as Will because that's how he introduced himself. And that he would only sporadically stay at that house and that his sister would disappear for a few months at a time. And that's when he would come and stay and like house it. Their theory on it was that she was um, mentally ill and would then like be hospitalized at that point. So he would come stay because he was kind of homeless. And then she would come home and be like, get out. Like you don't live here and kick him out. But again, this is web sleuths. We don't really know the actual facts of this. Right. So he said, this man said that he used to tell him about how, like Herb used to tell him how he would go downtown around 2 a.m. when the bars let out to try and entice girls to talk to him by walking his dog and apparently wearing Superman, matching Superman. Which we know is true. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So that's why I, I, I added this in because he was giving details of this guy that like, Although, I mean, I guess he could have just read all of this, but it was right. The, his story was interesting. It was intriguing. And this guy said he basically seemed pretty harmless, like, you know, yeah, a little eccentric or whatever. But, but you know, what's wrong with that? Like, OK, you're going to go and get some girls, drunk girls to talk to you by bringing your cute dog and wearing matching shirts. OK, whatever. That's fine. 
But he said over time, he got a bit more hostile and angrier. And on one of his stints at staying at the house, because he would only be there like maybe three months a year when he when his sister lived there. So he didn't see him all the time. But he had a couple projects going in the backyard and digging these big holes, which <gasps> Herb told the neighbor he was digging koi ponds to surprise his sister or whatever, just to make the backyard nicer. Which, of course, were never finished. And the neighbor's wife is convinced that the rest of Karina are in one of those unfinished koi ponds. But however, this house has been sold and many times since. And nobody ever, I think, checked that, the backyard, for whatever reason. Because he was cleared early on. Also, right. it was not really tied to him as a residence. Because... Oh, right. I mean, that's... It was his sister's house. So, very... This is an intriguing... Um, theory to me. So um, he also remembers when Herb died because the it was in his sister's house and he came home from work late and he saw the um, the police out there and he stopped to talk and he spoke to one officer who said that they had found Herb in the bathtub and that the scene was awful, bloody mess. And he asked if it was suicide, and that cop told him, no, somebody had to have done this to him. I don't know what cops would, like, just offer that information outside, so I don't know. A little bit sketchy, but still interesting. And then, but later on in the newspaper when he read about it, it was ruled a homicide. I mean, a suicide. So he remembers this cop saying, no, there's no way this guy committed suicide because of the scene. But then all of a sudden it was a homicide. So he thinks that the cops covered it up. So he's going back to the old boyfriend that was a cop who oh. possibly did this to Karina, but then maybe pinned it on Herb and then killed him and made it seem like a suicide. So maybe. Oh, wow. He is like yes. getting conspiratory about the conspiracies. Yeah. yeah. We're going in a million different directions here. That sounds anyway. very sleuthy. Yes, it is very sleuthy, <laughs> but it was very fun to read. <laughs> but very interesting just, you know, that he possibly had this encounter, these encounters with Herb. So anyway, I'm not sure that I mentioned this, but the bottom half of Karina has never been found. Mm. So awful. Her killer has also never been caught, clearly. And... Because they had nothing to go on when she disappeared. And this was in 1996. And so if there were, if this were to happen now, we would clearly have cameras outside of all of these businesses, street cams, um, catching these views, cell phone pictures and posts on social media that might be able to string the night together. Yeah. But, you know, as it stands, the club that, she, or the friends that she went to the club with only saw her sporadically throughout the night, like. We all go together, but then it's like, oh, oh, we saw Karina and she was drunk. Oh, we saw Karina again and she was drunk, even more drunk. How many and of these crime stories have to start like that? I know. I know. <laughs> Stay together, first of all. Stay, Stay together. together. So the last thing I want to mention about this case is just that is just before Karina was killed, she had sent a letter to one of her friends back home where she stated that something terrible had happened but she couldn't go into any other details about it and that she would tell her when she saw her next. And she had also spoken to her sister and informed her that she was planning to cut her stay short in the U.S. because she didn't like the housework 
that she had to do on a daily basis. And other than that, there had been no other reasons for someone to want to kill her. Neighbors would say she was friendly but quiet. They would see her playing outside with the kids and she would wave hello, not talk too much, but she would always be friendly and wave and whatnot. So it's really they they literally had nothing to go on. Like nobody didn't nobody hated her. No, <laughs> nobody saw anything specific that they could go on um that night. And then the only thing is that something terrible has happened, which we don't know what it is because she never made it home to tell her friend what it was. So then, um, oh, I'm sorry. One more guy was of interest in this and that was Gregory Hummel. Um, and he, there was another woman who was kidnapped from club Zanzibar in December of 1996. So this is just what? Six months yeah, after Karina. And Gregory took her to his apartment nearby and attempted to rape her. But she he was arrested and he was then let go on bail. And police did think he looked good for being involved in Karina's murder. But then there was not a whole lot out there to, to how extensively he was looked into. So I don't know, like, how far they dug into him or whatnot. But I know that he owned multiple middle and high-end apartment condos and single-family homes in the area. And so he would have had a lot of places to commit this crime and not be in the spotlight at all because, you know, he hadn't done anything wrong at that point. So he could have taken her to any of these buildings that he owned, done whatever he wanted, and then had ample time to get rid of the body, you know, secretly because he didn't – he wasn't on the radar. But that's just my opinion. So personally, I think this guy looks good for it since he clearly stalked other people at Zanzibar and tried to rape them. So wow. I think this guy looks good for it. But again, it's like I, that's just a quick opinion based on little information. So right. I don't know. So again, I've left you with this unsolved case. And honestly, it's just because I really hope that someday somebody hears something and is like, oh, yeah. I was there on that night or something. I don't know. After how long has this been now? 1996. Do the math for me because you know how bad I am at that. 14 years. <laughs> 14 not years. 14, it's 34. <laughs> no? 24? <laughs> 96 is not 14 years because we're 2020. That's 24, 24. years. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I was born in 1996. Good grief. Of course, I'm going to be 24. <laughs> anyway, 24 years later, I'm hoping somebody can. Ha- I mean, where is the rest of her? Where mm. is the lower hat? Like, for real? Nothing ever found? You know, like, <laughs> anywhere? I feel like Herb is good for it, man. I know. I like him, but I like this Gregory Hummel guy, too. I almost feel I like, like both- he drove her back to his house in his trunk. Kemper style and got pulled over because mm. that yeah. literally happened to Kemper. He had people in his trunk and got pulled over while they were dead in his trunk. It happens. Oh, that's, true. that's true. That's true. I Yeah. I mean, I like him. I liked him for it a lot until I heard this Gregory guy and he also seemed kind of suspicious, but yes, I, I will agree that I liked um, Herb for it a majority of the story from what I was reading. So, and I know this was very like 
all over the place, but that's because that's how this is. Like mm-hmm. they it's real life. nothing to go on. Yeah. It's real life. And they literally just couldn't pin anything down that would help. So this poor girl comes to the U S for four months and that is super sad. I just was thinking that too. Like what an awful end to her American dream. Yeah. It's just awful. So it goes right. And we can't yeah. that justice button. Sometimes mm-hmm. we just really like to hit that justice button hard. And when you can't yeah. do it, it's frustrating for those victims. Mm-hmm. It's true. But her story anyway. lives on. Yep. Yes, it does. So you want to give a product placement or do you want me to? Is that a yes. good segue? right so we are gonna do some products of the month you can go first actually if you want to since you're on such a roll okay so this is gonna sound like it's a paid played paid placement but it is not because i'm gonna go with madison reed right now and i know all of y'all podcast listeners or have probably heard a million commercials and we can only (laughs) dream to get one on ours um but (laughs) This is real life. I definitely heard it on a podcast, decided to try it, tried it for like used it for a little while and loved it and then had my hair done, dyed it at an, I don't know if I should mention it, but it was an Aveda salon (laughs) and, (laughs) and I loved it and it was great too. Um, but the cost of it was just ridiculous and I'm not one to spend a whole lot of time on my hair. Like I pretty much get my hair cut once a year if I'm lucky because I just, it's not something I spend time on. And so I was like, there's no way I can spend this kind of money on dyeing my hair and I don't care that much about my hair. And it takes and hours and hours. Well, yes, I know. The first time I was there for three hours, I'm like, I can't do this. Time for that. <laughs> so I went back to my Madison Reed and let me just tell you, it is so stinking easy. It doesn't smell I I do it myself and I get compliments on it. Like people you really compliment. do. I do. And you guys and need to like, go and look on our Instagram and see the latest video that we have posted when we did the drawing for the coffee mug. We got Christy got compliments oh, wait, on her. Your hair sister color. was like, "Yes." I'm like, "You're my Yes, favorite. and it is beautiful. <laughs> it is so, a guys, beautiful color. Yep. Check it out. Madison Reed. And I used um, Trieste. I don't know how to say that. Red. That's what I'm using in my hair. So if you do check me out, <laughs> that's which one I'm using. <laughs> Just message her. She'll give you all the yeah. deets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you about my product. And this is super funny and weird. And you guys are going to be like, why is she talking about this? But I'm going to tell you about my favorite deodorant, which Christy already knows about. But I'm telling you, it is like the best deodorant in the world it is schmidt's deodorant it's spelled s c h m i d t s so this is an all natural deodorant there's no aluminum salts there's no acids there's none of that glycolic stuff that you don't want in your deodorant that they say is super bad for you there's no like artificial fragrances and i will tell you i feel like i have some stinky armpits sometimes And uh, come on, I mean, we do, especially when we work out and like when I run and I can't get a shower right away, like it matters to me to be able to have a deodorant that does a good job and doesn't leave a gross residue everywhere all over the place. And this stuff is 
The one. It is so great. I've used it for years. The person who recommended this deodorant to me was a flight attendant who used to do international flights. Not now because Rona. But she would be on flights for 12, 15 hours at a time. And this is the deodorant that she used because she couldn't take a shower. And it's the truth. It is a great product. I really like it. My husband uses it. I have a kid that uses it because he's got some real stinky pits. It comes in lots of different flavors. (laughs) Lavender sage is my favorite. So go check it out. It's a game changer. It's a game changer if you're stinky. (laughs) And you want to be all natural. (laughs) We all know a few stinky people, so. Yes. I definitely could play that card for sure, but not anymore. Mm. Not since Schmitz. Not since Schmitz. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So there you go. That's my product of the month. Awesome. Great, Hair thanks. and armpits. <laughs> Got you covered. <laughs> are we going to work our way down the body now? We could. We could. <laughs> People are going to be like, oh my gosh, what are they going to talk about in like yeah, a month? <laughs> <laughs> Undies, yeah. <laughs> yes. So just a little tip from our closet to yours. Yeah. Awesome. Sweet. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you try any of these products, please let us know and let us know what you thought of the episode. Come back next week for our special Halloween collab. Find us on all the things. Mm-hmm. Write me a review for my birthday. Write me a review for my birthday. Mm-hmm. Please Shorty, do. do it. <laughs> it's your <laughs> birthday. birthday. <laughs> Okay, it was super fun murdering with you this week. So come find us, send us an email, suggestions, all that. We love you. Always remember, the world is scary, people suck. Hide in your closet.